Welcome to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners, where we have interesting conversations with entrepreneurs and innovators in the NextGen investing ecosystem. I'm your host, Dan Mindis. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. This episode, customer success. We have two venture partners with NextGen who have deep experience in this space. Angela Hahn, most recently was head of customer success at SendGrid. She had similar roles at a number of other technology companies. Uh, Jamie Jeff was head of customer success for two different startups. It's now stood up practice at Coastal Cloud, uh, consulting with other firms about how to do customer success better. This is a rising tide. Companies across the board are recognizing that it's not just technical support and it's not just how do I expand the size of this client or how do I retain this client, but there's a whole new practice, uh, soup to nuts, of customer success that Angela and Jamie walk us through it. I think this is something that every company is either doing today, but still kind of figuring it out, or should be doing. Angela and Jamie are great guides, and I hope you enjoy the conversation. Angela on Jamie Jeff, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, Angela, I wanted to lead off with you. You led customer success at SendGrid. Curious, uh, how would you define your team's responsibilities and also your goals and KPIs? Sure. I think it might be helpful to just describe SendGrid for a moment. SendGrid is a communications platform company that sends transactional and marketing email for companies of all sizes, SMB, mid-market, enterprise, across the globe. And so we have over 75,000 customers. So our customer success model is actually not dedicated to each and every 75,000 customers. We actually have a model where we're assigning a CSM to our larger customers, give or take kind of the top thousand customers. And their key responsibilities are to engage in those multiple stakeholder relationships and make sure they understand the strategy of why they've chosen our solution, how it's impacting their business. They need to ensure that they've adopted all of the onboarding practices so that they can be sending their email volume to scale and monitoring that volume and ultimately making sure that they see the value and the impact of our solution to their business. They are also responsible of uncovering growth opportunities as as well. So generally speaking, the KPIs, they are given a net retention target as well as an expansion revenue target. Makes sense. Jamie, you led customer success uh, for a couple of startups. You now consult in the industry, and you recently conducted a fairly large survey of customer success leaders. I'm curious if you could share the key findings. Yeah, absolutely. Now with Coastal Cloud, where I had the customer success consulting practice, and we conducted a study where we spoke with nearly four dozen customer success leaders at companies ranging from a million dollars in annual recurring revenue up to over three billion. And so lots of really great insights in terms of common challenges as well as best practices that we found from those conversations. I'll hit on just a few of them that really stood out. One, you know, there's there's a lot of talk in customer success circles around measuring customer outcomes or or the value that your product or service is able to deliver for your customers. And and we found actually that only about 50% of the companies that we spoke to are measuring customer outcomes. But those that do across the board had better logo retention, better gross dollar retention, and, and better net dollar retention. 
A couple other aspects that we found were common amongst companies that demonstrated better retention results were, first of all, they invest more in customer success teams' professional development. So generally speaking, we found that companies tend to underinvest in their CS teams. Um, a lot of what they do is kind of they get that new employee onboarding, say, you know, welcome to the company. Here's how you're going to get paid and, and where the bathroom is, but, you know, kind of good luck with your job. But those that do invest, you know, not surprisingly, people who are trained better perform better. Um, and so they found better retention results in those organizations. One point that has sparked a lot of discussion is that we found that customer success teams that report to the head of sales versus those that report directly to the CEO or the COO, those that report to the head of sales had the best net dollar retention. I think that's a factor of a couple things. One, there's a natural growth and expansion mindset in the CS team when they're part of the sales organization. Um, and, and oftentimes, sales leaders are, are big proponents of professional development. So we found that high, there are higher professional development scores as well amongst those teams that reported to sales. And that's, that's obviously a, a big it depends sort of aspect the third piece that was really interesting is a cultural dimension that companies that embrace the success of their customers as the responsibility of the entire company and not just the team with, with CS in their title, that they also had better retention results as well. And, and that, that I found a very positive and encouraging sign that this is not the job of one team. It's really the company that needs to be rowing in the same direction from marketing, bringing in the right leads, sales, selling good deals, having product market fit, and of course, customer success, proactively driving their customers towards their desired outcomes. Yeah, I guess I want to turn to Angela. And Angela, as you listen to that, I'm curious if anything surprises you. I'm curious if you hear that and say, gosh, I want to beat XYZ into any customer success leader that I meet. Anything you might disagree with? Yeah, it's hard to disagree. It is a great study. So um, I do encourage people to check out that industry report. I would say the metric, the, res the response that really did surprise me was about the half of the companies don't aren't measuring outcomes. And I don't know if it was surprise or maybe disappointment, <laughs> to be honest. But, you know, from my perspective, just in the spirit of why we have KPIs and, you know, in our companies, it's really to get that alignment on what it is that we need to accomplish that's going to influence the company's results. And so I'm not judging, you know, I'm sure there's reasons and context, but you know, I think in the spirit of having those outcomes, having KPIs that we can kind of gravitate to to help us align on what we need to accomplish and then to see if we're moving that needle or not and why, I think it's really important. So I, I do encourage leadership to really make sure if you're not going to anchor in on, you know, net retention or net dollar rates or what have you, to at least have clarity for your team so that they know what they can influence, be empowered to influence that, and to see their progress against it. Jamie, uh, you started your own company. You've led customer success at two different startups. You've invested and advised a number of startups. 
What's at the top of your list when providing some guidance to really early stage companies about how they should think about customer success? First, I would say customer success should be a single digit higher. They should be among the, you know, the very early founding team, if you will. You know, one thing that that I've observed where this isn't done well is is customer success gets a little bit delayed because um, a founding team might say, well, we've got to have marketing right away and we've got to have sales right away. But, you know, our our renewals aren't going to come up for the first year or two. So let's wait on on that customer success side. And and that really ends up, I I think, creating a lot of drag um, and missed opportunities because the role of customer success in those very early days is really to continue the the learning and feedback loop with those first customers because the reality is you know those early days you're selling to pretty much anyone who will buy right and you're likely bringing in some bad fit customers and so that that CS role really needs to be focused on understanding customer needs finding out who those ideal fit customers are where do we really help them what is our product missing right and, and really starting to hone the skills around what the company needs to do and provide to make their customers successful. So do it right away and to really focus on learning from customers and learning internally what you need to do to help them get to their desired outcomes. Angela, uh, so when Jamie advocates for bringing that first customer success higher early in the life cycle of a company, he also mentioned just culturally, it's important to have the entire company think about customer success and and prioritizing it. I'm curious, in, in your career, leading customer success in a couple of organizations, having leadership roles that we would probably now call customer success, but before were, you know, had different names associated with them. How do you, how have you pushed customer success kind of upward and outward throughout prior organizations? Lo- love to hear about, you know, how to kind of advocate for customers and for the customer success teams to the CEO and to, and to other parts of the team. Well, it's in some ways, it's really consistent to what Jamie just described. I mean, customer success individuals need to shed insight onto what's working for them and where they're having challenges. And some of those problems your customer success teams can address. If they need help with ramping onto the solution, you know, we can try to solve for that. If they're trying to figure out the UI and have feedback on that, we can try to help and then feed that back to the product organization. But overall, you know, as Jamie is saying, like, why is our solution sticky um, is really important. And so I think it's important for customer success leaders to make sure that they're training their teams to be thoughtful in their interactions with customers to uncover these insights. And, and honestly, in those early stage companies where often your customer success manager is also your onboarding implementation manager is also your tech support advocate. It's really making sure that they are being thoughtful and truly listening and understanding how is this customer using our solution? 
And then having, from a leadership perspective, sharing those insights with the rest of the organization, because it absolutely, every company I've worked at, those product, the product organization is so hungry for that perspective. Our marketing and sales organizations leverage what's sticky to then making sure we're targeting them effectively and cross-selling where we can. So I think it's just making sure that what we learn about our customers, which is our responsibility just within customer success, we have to feed back what we learn about them to the rest of the organization. Jamie, question for you. Um, you were literally the original venture partner, Connection Venture Partners, <laughs> number one. So you've looked at lots and lots of startups, both before that and, and in, uh, the number of years that NextGen has been around. Put your financing hat on, your early stage investing hat on, and I'm curious you know, what you would recommend that other early stage investors look at when they're evaluating the customer success, teams, function, success um, at a startup they may invest in. Great question. You know, when, when looking at a, a seed stage or, or early stage investment, obviously we, we want to see early traction and, and evidence of demand from the market. But we want to see from the founding team that there's recognition and thought around kind of the, the so what is next, right? And that customer success is something that they have a point of view on and a plan for on day one, you know? And and it takes some time um, to get to the point, particularly real early on where you've even had renewals yet. So I wouldn't expect that you've got a real solid story around retention at that point. And I'm likely gonna be fine if retention's not great, but what I want to see is that, like, if you have had renewals, that you understand your churn, right? And that comes back to, like, the focus of customer success in those early days, which is, do you understand where you, where you are and are meeting the needs of your customers? And do you have a plan for, for learning and, and really kind of intentionally and proactively driving value for them so that if you have gotten to the point to say, yeah, we've got a churn problem, but we've really isolated it down to one segment of our customers. And we've realized that that's just a bad fit segment and we shouldn't have been selling to them to begin with, right? So our future growth strategy is is really about leaning into another segment which has great traction, great retention, Etc. Right. Longer term, as you get later stage, then I'd want to see that there's also thought and a plan around how to drive expansion revenue. Right. That simply driving retention isn't going to be sufficient. That that there is alignment from a go-to-market and product and success perspective around being able to expand within the customer base uh, while you continue to drive net new logos. That's something I've certainly seen many, many times of early stage companies uh, having churn, but it's just because they sold to the wrong people uh, at the outset. And uh, often, you know, you're selling to your friends or you're selling a scattershot to whoever will pay you money. And uh, that's generally not going to be the long term strategy. So uh, we certainly see plenty of churn uh, along those lines. And it's not, as, you, as you say, it's not always a, a sign of, of something really bad. 
Angela, I wanted to turn to you with a similar question around financing, but your experience in, in growth stage, later stage, more mature companies. You know, what what would you say to the investor uh, who's looking internally uh, and evaluating customer success? Well, it's you know, as Jamie was describing, once they're later stage, that kind of um, upsell, cross sell expansion on the customer base is pretty critical. And, you know, it's some, it tends to go lockstep with the product organization also maturing. And so there's more products to sell adjacent to the initial flagship offering. And, you know, I would say the expectation is as, as it starts to get at that growth stage, your CS organization is going to be evolving. So they're going to need to go from kind of jack of all trades as I described earlier, to probably more specialization so that they're each going to be set up for success and to really make sure that that customer gets what they need at that stage of the life cycle. But frankly, you know, I think there needs to be greater depth and uh, kind of command and control of what's driving that net expansion. So I think it's important that when you look at the net dollar rate of, a, of your company, you're really having a lot of discussion within your CS team so that as a, a leadership team, you know what's driving the, the contraction and churn by product or, or by service and, you know, aligning with the product organization or other, comp- other parts of your company to improve those trends that we're seeing, but then also really understanding qualitatively what drove the upsell or cross-sell. And that tends to be the longer conversation because a lot of companies will start out and build products where there's need. And at least in my experience at some of these companies that I've worked at, some of these adjacent products aren't always so adjacent. And so it's through the customer success organizations that we start to uncover those nuances where we built a product, it actually is not going to have the same buyer that we've been dealing with, for example. And so how do we share these insights and really build a cross-selling muscle and what is defining what that motion is across various parts of the organization? That's going to obviously involve customer success, but obviously sales and marketing as well. We've talked about uh, a lot of numbers, a lot of potential metrics. Uh, Jamie, I'm curious if there are uh, one or two metrics that you think customer success teams really need to be looking at, but often are neglecting? Yeah, I, I think like there's the obvious ones that everybody has to measure for the board, right? Uh, various flavors of retention, likely net promoter score, some sort of CSAT. What, what's important, particularly when you're looking at retention, is those are, those are your final grade, right? At, at least on an annual basis. The, the really important thing is to identify for your customer, for your product, what are the what are the leading or predictive indicators that confirm that you're on the right trajectory, right? And in many cases, those are things that start at the beginning of the relationship. So how smoothly and and effectively was your onboarding run? And what I mean by effectively, did you did you get your customer to achieve that that first value, right? The the beginning of the the validation of the business case very early on and very quickly and without any sort of stumbles, right? So are you getting onboarding done completely and on time, for example? 
Another one, a couple companies from our study had this metric that I loved, which was uh, kind of measurement of their measurement. They they tracked the percent of their portfolio for which they had a documented ROI study or, or even kind of statement from their buyer, right? So not necessarily a public case study that marketing gets involved in, but just their customer success manager had had a conversation with the buyer to say, here's the value we think we delivered, right? We think we have saved you a million bucks or help you drive X percent increased revenue, whatever that that metric is. And the buyer said, yeah, I agree with that, right? And so that, that does two things. It, number one, forces you to have some way of, of measuring and articulating value. And two, it ensures that you're actually having that conversation with the buyer, that you're having those direct and candid discussions around you bought our product for a reason. Have we fulfilled that that promise to you? Angela, I want to take that a similar question, but broaden it to generally, what do you think, you know, customer success teams are, are missing? What, what's the, the number one or number two items that broadly people should do that they're not doing today? I'm going to have a slightly biased answer here. So I think being a customer success professional is extremely challenging. A CSM, by design, we need them to be proactive. But the reality is, by definition, they have to be the first line of defense for the reactive. So that balance is incredibly difficult to manage when you're a CSM. And so, you know, I think what's important is as you build a CS organization, while all of these metrics are really important, and I do believe that they are going to drive to getting alignment across your teams and across your company to hit the performance levels that you need, at the end of the day, I think you also need to be looking at what are the activities and, you know, milestones that you need to kind of put in as markers for your CSMs to accomplish that ultimately drive those metrics to really help them be set up for success. So it's one thing to have a net dollar rate that you need to deliver to your company. But to break that down into key activities that we believe really influence that retention and the expansion opportunity for your given company and your technology is huge. So I think it's making sure that you're breaking down what those key metrics are that Jamie is describing into actionable ways for a CSM to consume and impact. Makes sense. One of the terms that you know, we hear tossed around is customer journey. And I'd imagine it's the customer success team whose responsibility is to really map out what that customer journey looks like. And Jamie, I'm curious, you know, what are some tips for how to go about doing that? In the beginning and the end of this, it all needs to be done through the customer's eyes. It's, it's too easy to fall into a trap with customer journey mapping of mapping out all the steps that everybody inside your company is doing and lose sight of who the most important person in, in the journey is. It makes perfect sense. Angela, I think this will probably be my last question for you. What do you know now that you wish you knew when you uh, started your customer success career? Well, Jamie actually made a comment about it, as he was referring to the industry report, which is that 
customer success is a company-wide endeavor, and it needs to be truly believed. You know, everyone needs to drink this Kool-Aid from the CEO to, frankly, every team within the organization. And while that makes sense to me now, when I first started along this career path, again, to your point, uh, it wasn't called customer success back then. And the various roles that I've played and the different teams that I've worked with, there was that individual and that team focus on customer first. But it's really now as a leader and when I join an organization, it's making sure that there is that alignment and fostering and reinforcing when there's been success and when we have an opportunity to do what's right for the customer that all ties back to the actual performance and the metrics and the impact, right? But that actual mantra of customer first and what does that look like for this given company and having that mission-driven focus is really, really important. If that's not there, downstream, you just face a lot of hiccups and a lot of, oh, okay, we need to build some more buy-in here and alignment. So that's one thing that I've I really wished I had known earlier in my career of just getting that alignment up front across the organization. Jamie, same question to you. Uh, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you began this journey? I would echo what Angela said, but to add another one, I'd say it's just position yourself to be in a race for each and every customer to drive them to get as much benefit from working with you as quickly as possible. And and it's really easy to kind of geek out on customer success speak and to think about your all of your metrics or your processes or, or even to get busy saving customers where the more time you invest upfront in the early stages of your customer, that if you can get them to to that point where they turn the corner and start high-fiving each other and, and you because of the success that they are achieving with your product, that really solves a lot of, of downstream problems for you. Angela Han, Jamie Jeff, thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Dan. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Taking Notes with NextGen Venture Partners. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. To learn more about us or to hear all of our past podcasts, please go to nextgenvp.com.